the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Historically speaking, a 5% mortgage is pretty sweet. On a 30-year fixed, you're borrowing a lot of money, you're getting some tax deductions on it, you're getting some tax efficiencies on the home, you're paying yourself... Historically, not too shabby, but psychologically, and I can tell you this from news, and I've almost murdered and been murdered by my news director in television. He's like, the Dow broke from 14,000 to 13,000. This is a big deal. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, it's a big round number. People like big round numbers and people do like big round numbers. The rate on a 30-year fixed mortgage was 5% in 2018. Where were you on that momentous day? Um, my family was eating hot dogs in theory back on the day that John F. Kennedy was shot. Of course, I was not alive, but that's neither here nor there. They never ate hot dogs again because it made them so sick. I know. I know. Right. Where were you on that day? It's kind of big. Now I know you're saying, well, did they eat not dogs? Like hot dogs without, you know, the, the, the pig lips and stuff in it. Um, I, 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 I don't have an answer for you on that. Are you Let's bring in Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. It's BayAreaLoanSource.com. He's the mortgage expert of the show. Good morning. He's on Thursdays 6 to 7. And I say 6 because they've got a large contingent of snakes who are fans. Um, mortgage expert. My, my, my. Oh, my, my, my. Is it a big deal going from 4% to 5% in a year on mortgage rates? Well, it, it, I think psychologically, it's it's very powerful. Um, there was, uh, you know, a lot of people who are looking at houses, especially the large millennial um, um, contingency out there of home buyers. Is uh, you know, they're not used to rates being over five percent. They're used to rates being in the threes and the fours. So psychologically, yes, a lot of people are like, ah, you know, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to wait for rates to come down. There's a, a kind of that psychology going on right now in Seattle, where a lot of people were leaving Seattle, going, oh, the home prices, you know, they're up to median home prices seven hundred thousand dollars there. But now more inventory is hitting the market, so they're saying, well, we're going to stay. So it, it, it can flip-flop pretty quickly, and rates do like to do that. At the beginning of the year, rates were at 4%. So less than a year ago, rates were at 4%. Now it's at 5%. Um, and it can mean a lot of money for, for people, either on a monthly basis, you have to just suck it up, or you have to make more money to qualify. Um, on a median loan here, like a $500,000 loan, that costs about $3,600 a year more for that one interest rate. So, yeah, it's not only psychological, but, but financially it's expensive. When I bought a home, it was the recent home was essentially to, you know, put my kids in a school district kind of thing. Um, and so it still is. If I had bought my last home in San Carlos with the idea of an investment, I might be ringing the cash register right now going, this is as good as it gets, playing that game. 
But I'm not a single guy. I'm not in the situation of, um, you know, like, let's, hey, honey, let's move to Vegas for a couple of years. Or, hey, let's move, you know, into an apartment while we live off this million-dollar increase in equity. So I'm committed, sadly, for the next 10 years or so. And, like, I, I think you probably run into a little bit of that. But you also probably run into some people who are, like, little, little um, as I refer to someone, um, lily pad jumpers. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. And in fact, my parents' good friends do that. Um, they, they did that up. They, they kept moving closer and closer to their dream home. And to do that, they would buy a, a fixer-upper or they would f- buy a home that they could expand and sell for more. And, and the markets, when you're doing that in a market, it can work. But um, interest rates eat into that a little bit. Uh, the cost of borrowing gets a little more expensive. You're, you know, if it's a renovation type of product, uh, the private side of the money, the, the, which most people go to, that gets a little more expensive if you're not using all of your funds uh, in cash. But overall, psychologically, I think it's it does play into those people who are doing that lily pad jumping. I like the way you say that. And I own a property in Raleigh that it's been really good to me, all things considered. That I've had a renter in it for the majority of the time, maybe two down months. Um, but if I, in my world, my home is my home for where my kids go to school and have the community. But that Raleigh place, I don't always want to own that place. And it was kind of meant to be an investment, but it was kind of meant to be maybe I could end up there. It was kind of meant to be have other people's money pay for it. Um, that may be the one I decide to flip and go, okay, let's move that cash over across the country back to California and put it to use somewhere maybe in a new property here or a new property closer to me. Because Raleigh's not easy to get to for me anymore. Yeah, it, used, and it used to be easy to get to. I mean, ultimately, when it comes to buying and selling real estate, and let's say you are that investor, it's really it's not just interest rates. Interest rates ultimately play into your cash flow, but it's also programs and availability of programs and qualifying. Um, and it's also in your circumstance where you're a flipper or somebody who's just trying to upgrade their property every five years or every 10 years, uh, it's about where the trends are. So there's still very positive trends in the United States. Um, you, you know, we were looking at some stats where more inventory is hitting the Western region. San Jose leads the market. They had like 89% more inventory hitting the market compared to last year. Uh, but nationally, it's still negative. By 0.2% or something like that. So there are trends around the United States where you can say, I can move that rental property from one to another, upgrade that, re-amortize that, you know, that balance, move the equity over and get to, you know, look at building your portfolio or just improving that, that type of property for the cash flow or for, you know, more equity building. But interest rates, uh, again, um, I don't want people, I don't want people to think we fear it. It is psychologically something that we pay attention to, but programs really drive the market and we still are historically below our, our interest rate of six and quarter percent. Yeah, go t- try to tell an, a millennial that six and a quarter percent is normal, and they'll go like whatever. I know you're saying. Are you blending? Are you blending millennial speak with uh, Valley, Valley Girl speak? Valley, yeah. Right. Right. I remember when interest rates were four percent. Right. Um. <clears throat> So you brought up the term flipper, and there's just not a lot of room left in the flipper universe. As far there's not a lot of wiggle room, and a lot of people still want to be that person. It's it's stunning to me, and how many people want to be like take a shortcut to wealth. Well, you 
I think actually the market might open up in that respect when it comes to uh, if if we do see more inventory hitting the market. Imagine that person who's been sitting in a property for a long period of time, and they're like, you know, I'm finally going to cash out. They didn't do a lot of work on the property. They didn't need to. The realtor saying you don't need to because it's hot market. We don't have a lot of inventory. Now that we see more inventory hitting the market, yeah, you might take a little bit of concessions here and there, and we actually might start seeing more deals on properties that are. Um, in distress, and we might see more investors saying this is an opportunity to improve it. Um, I actually think we might see more of those types of opportunities, but you are right. It is tight right now. It's very difficult to do it. Um, we know investors that are going across the United States, like Columbus, Ohio, and Austin, and Reno, Sacramento's, that are looking for those type of opportunities. They've stopped. I don't want to say stop, but they've they've cut back significantly here in the Bay Area. Well, the, the leverage on Ohio is not going to be the leverage that you get in the Bay Area. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and your money live on the Bay Area Airwaves weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. I try to say fewer stupid things every year. I know you're saying that's good of you. That's good of you. With that being said, a couple things to chit chat about. I want to talk a little bit about oil and commodities again, just a little bit more because we talk about commodities in a funny kind of way. Uh, what are commodities? How do commodities trade? How are they broken down in different groups? How have they been performing? Can you invest in commodities? And you can. And I would say be cautious with it. I know if you listen to people like CFP Chadburton and others, sometimes what you'll hear is, you know, commodities should be 10% of your portfolio or tech stock should be 4% of your portfolio. Like, there's these, there's these formulas that, that come out, come and go, but I find commodities very difficult. And commodities, you know, whether it be agricultural products, fuels, metals, what have you, there's no doubt that commodities have been around forever. And if you play some classic video games like, you know, uh, bushels of corn are kind of important in early civilizations. Some people think the futures market on trade started about 6,000 years ago with rice. Some people think that the futures trading dates back to the 17th century in Japan when rice also was out there as, do you want to buy it now for the next year or not? So how much should we plant? You tell us. Uh, There's a CBOT. It's a very famous uh, trading exchange in the United States where it's able to let companies hedge risk. Airlines could buy airline fuel now lock in prices and then figure out, okay, let's, um, how many routes do we want? How many, you know, empty seats are we okay with? So that's all out there. Um, Chicago board of, of, of trade, the CBOT 1848. Then there was something called the Merck Chicago Mercantile Exchange. It was founded in 1898 as the Chicago butter and egg board. <laughs> where you can lock in butter and egg prices, right? So I throw this out there because, again, there is going to be times where you start going, I want this in my portfolio, whether it be energy commodities or metal commodities or agricultural commodities. Um, I say just be cautious and be patient with yourself um, because hard assets where you actually buy a pig, you actually get two hog bellies, um, that's probably more than you can process in your head is my, my thought. Long term, it feels like stakes becoming more. It feels like all commodities are more expensive, right? It does feel that way. 
Um, you can get really tricky with buying commodities. There's future contracts, there's ETFs, there's ETNs, exchange-traded funds, exchange-traded notes. And um, if I was good at investing in commodities, I would tell you, I'm not. But I can tell you, like, there's fertilizer stocks like Mosaic. There's farm machinery stocks that are tied to agricultural prices, like John Deere. Monsanto for seeds. There's irrigation stocks. There's livestock like Sanderson Farms. There's crop protection companies like Monsanto or Sententa, SYT. Then you get into grains. You know, you can buy, if you want to think corn's going higher, it's ticker symbol, you know, corn. It's an ETF. <laughs> like, really? Yes. Uh, potash and fertilizer, obviously big for agriculture. We have to have nutrients in the ground to grow what we need take our simple soil but again you could actually go out and buy a company called potash if that's the way you want to do it i tend not to recommend there's like cement stocks cement's a commodity right take our simple cx you can go out and buy a cement stock if that's your thing um and again when worldwide demand shrinks these guys get crushed when worldwide demand grows these guys are you know you can like home builders or solar you know an energy play First Solar, Solar City. Um, there's TAN, ticker symbol TAN. Uh, home builder stocks, if you believe in construction. Lowe's, Home Depot, Lennar, Pulte, KB Homes, Toll Brothers, NVR. So I tend to say avoid buying commodities or a hard asset fund unless you really know what you're doing. I've seen some amateurs get pretty crushed doing it. And um, I, I just I throw that out there. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we could talk about. So commodities are a big issue. And again, not pushing away from it, but sometimes it's the things that you don't know, and sometimes it's the weather. But like refrigeration costs, so if electricity costs spike, that could hurt refrigeration costs of meat, of animals. And um, that's when you start getting really morbid, right? We're talking about the the eating of animals. And uh, I could just show you one area where commodities, you know, just eh, we've had a drought and farmers are having a tough time feeding their cattle. So sometimes they'll kill the cattle, kill the herd, trim the herd, curd, uh, her, curd the herd. No, not quite that. Uh, trim the herd, so to speak, and uh, what happens? Prices of meat go down. Because suddenly, if you kill more than you thought you were going to kill, awesome, there's a supply. The downside of it is next year, your herd's been thinned already, and there's fewer cows to breed and fewer cows to mate and fewer cows to love and grow your herd again. So those are real commodities. And the dollar, and this is where it gets really interesting, is when you start getting into currencies. If you think I don't like investing in commodities as an idea, forget about it. I'd rather invest in the stocks tied towards the commodities for the same reason you want to invest in commodities. But currencies, I remember shortly after the Iraq War, if you turned on the TV, you would hear commercials that like, well, Saddam Hussein's gone and the Iraqi dinar has completely collapsed. Now may be the time to put a $25,000 investment in the Iraqi dinar and get 43 million Iraqi dinars for the low cost of $100,000 or $100, whatever it was. And people were like, I want to I, I own that because 
you know, as they rebuild Iraq, they're going to obviously have an economy. And if Saddam Hussein was bad and he's gone, then the DNR will bounce back. And it sounds like a great story. Do not buy currencies. The cost to buy currencies is very expensive. The cost to sell currencies is very expensive. Which, again, brings us back to Bitcoin. Another pseudo-currency that I don't recommend you buy because it's very tough to figure out what's going to move it. And to me, that's more like gambling when, you, when you're blind investing than anything else. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Fourth quarter mortgage originations are expected to be down from seasonality. Not seeing meaningful improvement. The housing market maybe will have a little bit of growth in volume this year. Maybe. That's interesting to note. It's obviously still a ton of money that Americans have uh, put into equity. So there's trillions of dollars of equity. If we ever want to stimulate our economy, we just everyone sell our house all at the same time and have tons of cash and have a party and, and say the planet's going to go into the sun at some point in time. And hopefully it's in 30 minutes when the party's over or not. But there's a lot of money that's tied up in homes. There's a lot of money being lent into homes. And again, the number of uh, loans being originated looks to be slightly up maybe this year, which is not a growth. That's not a, that's not a big pat on the back, per se, Tony. No, it, it isn't. And, you know, we, we definitely pay attention to some of those numbers like volume. Um, and, you know, we have our pulse on on the you know the activity here in the bay area and you, know, you you ask me every week you go what what are you seeing and um you know we are seeing a lot more purchases refinances i think people are just trying to figure it out or which way are rates going to go uh, why do i need to refinance i think there's a little bit people need a little bit more motivation and maybe it's cash out or they're removing somebody from title or they just they're just trying to reamortize and and you really have to be motivated now as you see interest rates rise um there still are people who you know are in fha loans that need to get out of the mortgage insurance and even a rate that's closer to five percent it beats having to pay that two or three or four hundred dollars a month mortgage insurance with a lower rate so um you know it, the market's going to figure itself out higher interest rates is the beginning of the figuring it out and then the housing market itself the sales and purchases will eventually kind of uh, finish that deal and uh, i think it's going to take some time this is the beginning of it i think if anything and let's say rates go back down it's a wake-up call for a lot of people to say um, should i sell now we had like i said the other day i was talking to you about a client who called and they were planning on a three-year term here in the bay area um, they have one of those two to three million dollar homes and they've been looking at a tremendous amount of equity since they bought the house about 15 years ago and they saw interest rates go up and they got scared and they changed their plans to six months instead of three years because they they're afraid that less people will be able to afford their house or their home value might go down a little bit or both and I think we might see a, a little white, bit of that. What a white collar American problem! <laughs> yeah. Oh, my three million dollar house is going to sell for two point seven. Should well. I tap my two million dollars of equity now, or possibly wait three months and it'd only be one point eight million? Well, some of those things—they're um, big you decisions. Know, they are big decisions, and uh, I wouldn't 
react that quickly on just a you know well then again in a one year one year comes fast as you get older one year comes a lot faster than when you're 25 but uh you know last year october 12th it was interest rates were at 3.91 percent now they're at 4.9 percent according to freddie mac and that's probably going to go a little higher since the survey comes out um, you know only once a week so that one percent kind of scared them and it's it might scare a little bit other people out there that are going you know what home prices just went up in that city that we really liked and maybe it's scottsdale um or even vegas for example a lot of people might think vegas is a place to go or henderson and uh, home prices are going up there and but now the rates are higher i might as well try to capture what i have here uh, as far as the equity so it makes that higher interest rate um you know not hurt us much i think that's a mentality we're going to see 800-516-1220 calls in the air. Higher rate environment, probably even more important to keep your credit as crystal clean as you can. Don't do a little, um, you know, don't don't open a new credit card when you're trying to get a loan. Now's a good time to keep your excellent credit excellent so you can get just a slightly lower interest rate, which is one of the reasons you want to keep excellent credit. Yeah, it can kind of compound on you if you have... Um you know, higher interest rates and then you have a lower credit score. And, you know, we encourage everybody and we try to teach people about credit, but to get engaged with your credit. And it could be as simple as, you know, getting a credit report from annualcreditreport.com or your creditor. Some of these credit card companies do it, but Credit Karma is fantastic. And uh, it gets you engaged with it. It gets you starting to know it. One of the things I did when I was younger is um, I went to buy a car and, and the guy goes, oh, you can't buy a car, your credit. I'm like, I've never, what do you mean? What's a credit report? And, you know, they showed me the credit report. And I was like, oh, I wrote a check and it bounced and, and didn't, you know, so I, and I got engaged with you it. You remember it never, writing checks at Safeway? I remember writing a lot of checks. People don't write checks anymore, but. You'd write a check to Safeway and they'd give you cash. Yeah. I, you had to have a Safeway cash card or Safeway check card. Man, You could write days. checks at 7-Eleven and get cash back. That's no way. Mm-hmm. I never lived Good old in that Southland world. Corporation. I never lived in that world. If you know the name Southland, that's because you wrote a bad check or something to uh, to someone. With that said, um, yeah, we we encourage everybody to get involved in their credit. It is the number one factor in what's going to determine your interest rate. And why would you have higher interest rates and lower credit score? And it starts compounding a little bit higher. Um, the points work a little differently in higher interest rate environments. They do. Because um, I've always, with all my loans, and I regret this now, I've always bought points. And then I refinance lower, and I buy points. And then I refinance lower, and I buy points. Right. But so, now that I'm low, I'm like, hey, I'm glad I bought those points. Right. Or you, you're either paying origination or points, or both. Um, points is a percentage. One point is one percentage point of your uh, your loan amount. So if you're getting a five hundred thousand dollar loan, that costs you five grand. But if that that lower interest rate that you're buying it down to offers a, a lower payment, you can just divide the cost by that lower payment, and it comes out to a a certain amount of months. Let's just say it's 48 months or four years. As long as you keep that loan for four years, you and every month beyond that is a benefit. So if you plan on, if you refinance what they call serial refinancing, and there, there's an actual law from uh, that protects the consumers from doing this called benefit to borrower, but if you are a serial refinancer and you refinance before that payback period, you've actually assumed some of the cost of those points. So it all makes points make sense when it comes to how long you're going to stay in the property, but as interest rates go higher, um, it can backfire on you. Let's say you're getting offered somebody says, well, you know, rates are 5%, but I can give you 45 if you pay two points. 
And then what happens if interest rates go down? And you're like, oh, interest rates went down. Now they're at four and a quarter. I want to refinance, but I'm going to assume that $10,000 in points that I paid. So a lot of people are actually doing the opposite and doing lower cash, taking a higher rate. So in case rates go down, they aren't assuming any cost when they do refinance. So it's all about timing. So it's, things are a little ginger in the housing market right now, as far as costs go, because we're all kind of like seeing, hey, I wonder if higher interest rates are going to affect things. And it probably means homes will be on sale for a little bit longer. People will be able to say, I don't like the street. I do like the street. People say, well, where are the sidewalks? I want to find another home. People can, people can become pickier in higher rate environments and prices can come down as sellers want to sell and they don't want to pay that extra mortgage payment that they're not living there. Um, how about arms? Do you see more people using adjustable rate mortgages in higher interest rate environments where we've moved yes. from three and a half percent up to five percent? Absolutely. Um, Freddie Mac right now has the you know thirty year fixed at four point nine, but the arm is at four point zero six. So you're looking at almost a whole point difference in rates. So we were just talking about how much on a five hundred thousand dollar loan, what a um, you know one percent interest rate is about three thousand three hundred dollars a month, uh, and you can save that instantly by getting an arm. But you're also tied to that. You know, are you in a Five-year arm, you're fixed for five years. Fantastic, but what happens after the five years? Does that fit your time frame? Um, are you still going to be able to qualify later after that? Otherwise, you're subject to the adjustments um, that you know with your margin and index, whatever that is. Um, so you have to be really careful. Uh, but it is a strategy. Some people just go, you know what? I'll just get another arm, and the money I saved, I just put it over that three hundred dollars a month. I put it over here, and if I have to buy points. I have the money already here, over here, and it's earning interest. Um, so there are some strategies, and we, we will see more arm usage as interest rates go up. Absolutely. So I've, the old wise tale, and I don't know if it's true or false, that does it take interest rate movement to see action? Yes. Make your phone ring? Because are you seeing your phone ring a little bit more now or a little bit less? I'd imagine ghost town, higher rates, people are spooked. Higher rates, it's easy to kind of say, Rob, get the this interest rate before rates go higher. And you're like, that makes sense. Um, or you can say, hey, refinance now as rates are going down. When they're stagnant, that's when you, and we've seen that for a long period of time. Um, if you can call rates between 4% and 45 stagnant, uh, which I kind of do because they were fluctuating back and forth. Uh, when you do see the activity, you will see some, some rustling of the leaves and people will start making moves. Um, I think people, it's like I said, it could be a wake-up call and we could see rates come back down. Um, but I think we did hit new levels over the 3.1% on the yield on the 10-year. That was kind of their target and it beat it and it set a new level. So we are at new levels. I don't expect them to come down anytime soon, but who knows? Um, you know, something could happen in the market. We could have some sort of event could turn the tide on that. So lots going on in the mortgage market, in the home purchasing market. If you need help with it, you can contact Tony Mendez at BayAreaLoanSource.com. It's BayAreaLoanSource.com. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at KDOW.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I don't have a cool beard. I don't got a well-groomed haircut. I don't have a big derriere. I'm not your typical millennial male. In fact, I'm not a millennial male. Most of my decisions on spouses and kids and houses are not in the rearview mirror, but more so than last. But millennials are the shoppers of homes today. One of the biggest purchases most people ever make, a home, a car, maybe even a spouse, if you think of it that way, right? Getting married and having kids is not cheap. So buying a home, hitting a milestone, turning 30, that's when the biological clock starts ticking, I hear. 
people want to settle down and they don't want to live in the 400 square foot apartment anymore. Home prices are the least affordable since 2008, which is oddly enough when I bought my home. And I had a home run on that one, huh? Buying it on the peninsula when it was affordable. And now I've wrote, written it up. Do I write it back down? Do I Dr. Strange love it and get on the nuclear bomb and woo? There's no right answer, but it's a little bit tougher right now. Mortgage rates are moving higher. Affordability is getting ready to get even less affordable unless home prices come down, which a lot of people think will happen for millennials. Yeah, um, there's going to be a lot of less slim pickings of homes out there. Thank you. Thank you. It was slim pickings. Okay. I'm, I'm working on it. Um, what was your question again? Sorry, I was working on the on my punchline. Millennials. <laughs> they should review their finances before they talk to you, the mortgage lender. Uh, review your finances is not a crazy thing. And again, everyone should have a basic concept, whether it's put on Mint or LearnVest or any of the other advisors out there that you can kind of see what you're worth. Yeah, so uh, the good news is, so I've been doing this about 15 years, I've seen that part of the process improves dramatically. I've okay. seen people come much more well-prepared. Um, and, you know, especially with the electronic age, everybody can kind of put everything together with either mint.com or it's just a nice spreadsheet. And a lot of financial advisors as well put together um, nice, uh, you know, packages for people. You say, oh, we ever need a mortgage here, just push this button and and there you go. So you don't so, see a lot of trapper keepers anymore. No, no, we don't. Everything's um, digital. Do you remember the Trapper Keeper 4000 and you had lion loved stickers? It. Loved it. And unicorns? You unicorns. Loved it. Cartman, you had right? unicorns. <laughs> Silly boy. Anyway, go ahead. So finances are better. Uh, you, you also have, you know, things like Dropbox and other secure ways that, you know, we can do uh, electronic signatures and so on. So everything's got a lot easier and I think people have really uh, embraced that and and uh, so we are seeing a little bit more uh, better prepared buyer. Um, so the millennials, yeah, it's still still focus on it. Um, you know, it's it's not just your documentation; it's your credit, it's your income. We see a lot of people that are switching jobs, um, taking a lot of gaps, and switching careers. And, and you know, those things play a little bit of havoc. But you know, as far as the lending environment goes, if you were to compare what it was like back in 2010 and 11, when it was very very tight, it has loosened up. So, um, yeah, I mean, you can take a year off and then get back to work for six months and you still qualify. So there's, especially if you're salaried, salaried's the key here. Being salaried, self-employed kind of puts a kink into it and, and you have to have two years of that. And the, But then the lenders came out and said, oh, we can do one-year bank statement programs or stated income programs. There, there's some of these programs are coming back and that's driving more people to we the We live door. in such a politically correct age right now. When you said kink, I was like, did he say chink? <laughs> and I panicked. I was like, dumb button, dumb button, dumb button. Because some celebrity just got in trouble for saying chink in the armor. I'm like, whoa. Yeah, that don't, I don't think that's not right. So my credit score is 766. I just checked it. It's excellent. It's good because um, when I bought that home, it dipped all the way to 749, but it's, it's come back. It's yeah. been as high as 800, but uh, I got a lot of debt right now. I, but I got a lot of servicing of debt, which I'm still good on, but I got a lot of debt. If I was credit karma, I would take a lot of credit that uh, the average credit score in the last 10 years has gone up about 20 points. Because people can kind of see what... Because people are engaged with it now. I mean, you go back and look at some of the stats, only about 50% of the people actually have ever seen a credit report. Yeah. You know, people who have credit have actually seen it. And now that's jumped up significantly. Smartphones have made it a lot easier to um, another, be involved. Another advice I'd give millennials is check your credit, get your finances out of the Trapper Keeper 4000, get it onto some sort of spreadsheet, start focusing on it, start looking at your debts, on your monthly obligations, make sure you can afford a home. 
But then go to open houses. Go to a lot of open houses. If you can spend a year going to open houses and like, you know, they say the first year, every time you make whoopee with your wife, put a, a jelly bean in a jar and then take it out every time after that, you'll have beans left over because your first year is your most passionate year. Go to an open house and put a bean in a jar. And I don't know what that means, but put a bean in a jar at an open house. Go see what's out there and then say, you know, have a, a clue of it. And you can even tell the real estate agent, no, I'm not going to buy well, for a year. I'm just looking. Another thing, too, and I'm going to add to that is uh, instead of open houses, too, uh, you want to do those. But also think about living, maybe renting in the neighborhoods that you want to uh, live in. I think that's important. You did that, Rob. You rented in the neighborhood that you eventually bought. And I had the world's worst landlord. It, it doesn't matter. But you got to know the community. You're like, this, this will work. Um, you didn't just blindly go in and, and, and you knew. So, and then you go to the open houses and you can kind of figure out which house you want. And I want to say that when I was renting, um, the, comp- the people had lived in San Carlos their whole life and they went up to Seattle for, to retire. And I want to say the landlord was missing a foot. And every time there'd be something wrong with the house, I'd be like, um, the roof is leaking or there's some water coming down the hill. And the person would be like, I'm missing a foot. I can't do anything about it. I'm like, Oh, <laughs> you're missing a foot. Well, yeah. diabetes, man. Yeah, be careful about Whoa. the sugars. Um, yeah, so rent rent in the neighborhoods that you want to buy. Also use a local realtor. I mean, there's so many things that you get can do. Get an inspection done. Even if you don't have to get an inspection done, get an inspection done. Those are and don't over- underestimate the costs of actually maintaining the property. That's the, the biggest uh, regret most people have when they buy a home. If you're a millennial who lives in the United States of America, you can contact Tony. He does mortgages at BayAreaLoanSource.com. He's not, he's not a normal merch. He's Tony Mendez. He's with com. He's not anonymous, and he works in the United States of America. You can find him at com. He's your Bay Area lender. He's my lender. He's your lender. He's America's lender. Find him online at com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.